and welcome to the Braille Institute Education Series. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshta, and today we're going to talk about the importance of movement of your child and the importance of developing eye movements among young children. Now, for many of us, we often don't think about the development of vision of young children. We often assume that a newborn child has perfect vision, similar to that as an adult. But in reality, we know that the visual skills of a young child are not anywhere near that of an adult. For example, they are not able to see as clearly as adults. They do not have the ability to see all colors. And also, they are not able to control the movement of the eyes in a normal manner. Now, the development of eye movements is very, very important for many aspects of a person's life. For example, if we simply think about how it is that we grow up and a mother is carrying her baby and rocking that baby back and forth, if that baby is going to be able to look at mom's eyes and make that kind of eye contact, this child has to be able to tolerate the movement of the rocking. And each time mom moves the baby in one direction, the eyes have to go in a different direction to continue to make eye contact. As the baby gets a little bit older and begins to crawl, the child has to be able to process what he or she sees while he or she is moving. And for many young children, they do not have that ability and they don't like it. As a result, there are many children who don't want to move and they don't want to crawl. And these kids, as they get older, we often will find when they're three, four, and five, they're not as interested in trying to play sports, whether it's going to be kicking a soccer ball or trying to play catch with a balloon that's tapped in the air. They often are not able to do those particular activities quite as well, and that is also related to the development of their eye movements. And another very, very important eye movement that we use throughout our lives are the eye movements used for reading. In order to maintain our place when we read from left to right, we really have to be able to control how the eyes move from left to right in a reading pattern. And we also have to make certain that each eye is pointing at the same word. There are so many situations in which a child or an adult has difficulty reading, or they say they become tired when they read. And when we check their eyes, we find that the reason for it is that they cannot move their eyes accurately in a reading pattern. And also, many times, is that both eyes are not pointing at the same word. So... Today, we're going to provide an overview of the different eye movements and what are different activities that parents and teachers can perform to develop these eye movements 
and the eye movement reflexes that are so, so important. So the first eye movement that we are going to concentrate on is called steady fixation. And this is a situation in which we evaluate, can that baby focus his or her eyes on an object and keep the eyes on that target? So, for example, if mommy is picking up that baby out of the crib, we want to see whether or not that child is able to make eye contact with mom and keep her eyes on mom's eyes. When a child does not have that ability to keep the steady fixation, it could be very, very detrimental because in many situations, the parents will often feel you know, my child doesn't love me. Why do you think that? Well, because my child never looks at me. He doesn't keep his eyes on my eyes when I'm carrying him or when I'm singing to him. He never is paying attention. He's not looking at me. And when a person at any age in life does not make eye contact with another person, it could have very negative consequences. Many times, other students, other kids may think that this person doesn't like them because they're not making eye contact. There's other times that the teacher may not think that this child is paying attention in the classroom. And I have also had other situations in which the parents thought that their child had autism simply because the child did not make eye contact. Now, with many young children, they often have a condition that is called nystagmus, and that is spelled N-Y-S-T-A-G-M-U-S, nystagmus. And this is a condition in which the eyes are constantly shaking, the eyes might be constantly shaking from side to side, or it could be up and down, and even in some rare cases, it could be diagonal. Now, for most children, if they do have this type of nystagmus early on, right at birth, we will often find within the first couple weeks of life, this nystagmus will go away. It will improve. But there are other children where this nystagmus may continue, or it may even be something that becomes worse. And when a child has nystagmus, it can possibly also be an indication that there is a problem to the eyes and the child is not seeing clearly. So when a child does have this type of nystagmus, the child does have to have an eye examination. And the doctors will determine if this child needs glasses. In many cases, by simply prescribing glasses, it allows the image to focus and the child's nystagmus will go away. There's also other cases in which a child may have a problem to the tissue of the eye, specifically the retina. And the retina is a tissue that absorbs the light that allows us to see. So when a child has a problem to the retina, 
these children may not see quite as clearly. And this is when we then strongly recommend vision stimulation exercises. What we want the parents to do is to perform these types of exercises which are going to force the child to try and to steady the eyes. And by stimulating the vision this way, it also stimulates visual regions of the brain. And this is one way that the vision or the clarity of sight of the child may improve. So some of the kinds of activities that can be performed to try to develop a child's fixation is simply when you're picking up the child, let's try to hold the child's head so that the child's head is at the same level of mom or dad's head and bring the child closer and let the child make eye contact. In other words, you may be moving your child until the child's eyes are focused on your eyes. And then from there, you could slowly move the baby further away and then closer back towards your face, further away and closer towards your face. And you want to determine, is the child able to keep his or her eyes on your eyes? And you could do this at different times throughout the day. Now, it doesn't mean that you're doing this for 10 minutes straight. It might be that you're doing it for one minute. And the next time that you pick up the child, you might hold the baby, and then you're going to move the baby slightly from left to right, left to right, up and down. And this will give your child that ability to be able to maintain that type of eye contact. Another similar type of exercise is if your baby is in the crib and the baby is lying down, you could come up to the crib and talk to your child, sing to your child, and move your head such that your child's eyes are fixated on your eyes. And once a child has gained that visual attention and knows that he or she is making eye contact with you, maybe you're going to smile. Maybe you're going to tickle her. Maybe you're going to laugh. And then you will move your head from left to right very slowly just to see whether or not your child is able to keep the eyes fixated steady on your eyes. So these are things that are very, very easy to do, and you could do them just sporadically throughout the day every time you're interacting. Another type of activity that you can do is you could then introduce your child to his or her own eyes. And the way you do this is that as your child is lying down, you could get a little handheld mirror and put the mirror in front of your child's eyes from a distance of maybe 12 inches. And you're going to look to see whether or not your child is now starting to look at the mirror and does the child seem to recognize his or her face. 
Many times they're going to giggle or they're going to laugh. But once they have made eye contact with their own eyes in the mirror, you could then move the mirror in different locations and then take it away. And then reintroduce the mirror and let the child find his or her eyes, get excited about it, and do that activity again. And the last activity that I would recommend would be using eye contact on an object, such as the baby's bottle, or if it's a bowl of cereal that you're going to feed the child. But let's use something that we can make it very, very colorful. If it's a baby bottle, maybe we're going to go ahead and put red tape and make spiral stripes around the bottle so it looks really, really nice. Or if we're using a bowl that we have cereal in, let's try to find a bowl that might be very colorful. Maybe it's a color that your child really likes, such as a very, very bright green, or it could be a red. When it is then time to eat, let's go ahead and let's see if we can help your child to gain fixation on the bottle or the bowl. And once a child does do that, we could then go ahead and give them the bottle to drink or give them a spoonful of cereal to eat. And then we'll go ahead and we'll do it again. Now, we don't want to make it too difficult or get the child too frustrated because then they might start really getting angry and they develop a negative association. But every once in a while, we could do this with this activity and this becomes a form of positive reinforcement. So the first thing that we talked about there, that's called the steady fixation. Now, another type of eye movement that a child will develop next is which is the ability to follow. The ability to follow a moving object. And this particular type of eye movement is controlled by the parietal lobes of the brain. And these are the areas that are on the left side and the right side of your brain just above your ears. Okay? And it extends all the way to the top of your head. Now, the left parietal lobe of the brain controls the ability to move the eyes to the right. And the right parietal lobe of the brain controls the ability to move the eyes to the left. So it's sort of opposite. What's also very important to remember about this is that the parietal lobes of the brain also controls the movement of the body of the child. And so the right parietal lobe of the brain controls the movement of the left side of the body and the left parietal lobe of the brain controls the movement of the right side of the body. So we see there's a, a very strong neurological relationship between the movement of the body and the movement of the eyes. And when we see that a child 
suffers from an injury, or sometimes we see an adult who suffers from a stroke, sometimes we will see that they cannot move one side of their body and they cannot move their eyes to that one particular direction. So we can do activities that will force the child to move their eyes and to move their hands together, and that is going to develop the parietal lobe of the brain. Now, some of the ways that we could begin to do this, we could do this at a very early age, even as young as a child as being two months of age. And we know that for a young child, they usually like objects that are of high contrast. We could use black and white or red and white patterns. And these particular high contrast patterns are something that really gain their attention. Kids also tend to like objects that are moving and spinning and changing. So you have often seen times that we will get a Quaker Oats barrel that we have the oatmeal in, and we could put a pinwheel, okay, and we could use that, pop a hole in the top and the bottom of the lid of the Quaker Oats, and now we have a drum that could spin. From there, we just put the high-contrast paper on there with black and white or red and white, and when we attach that to the Quaker Oats drum and we spin it, it then becomes a very, very interesting toy for the child. So when we have a toy that we have readily available that spins or the child really enjoys looking at, we could then spin it and then move it in a particular direction. Let's let the child lay down and then we will move it to the child's right. And we're going to then encourage the child to try to touch that spinning drum. Now, when you try to encourage them to touch it, you want to touch the child's elbow and push the child's elbow towards the drum. That usually would work pretty well. What you do not want to do, though, you do not want to grab the child's hand and pull the hand towards the drum. What I found is that when you start pulling the child's hand, they resist and they pull back away from you. But if you push from their elbow and let them touch the drum, it usually works out very, very well. Then you're going to go ahead and move the drum to the other side. And now the drum is moving to the child's left side and will let the child follow it with her eyes to the left and then we push the left elbow to try to then touch it. Now, as the child becomes more and more familiar with this, we could also do things like we could put bells, get a couple of bells at the Michael's craft store, put it in the drum, and so when the drum is spinning, the child could also hear the bells. Or when the child touches the drum, the bells will make some noise too. And that also 
helps a child to become very, very excited, and they like to play with this particular type of game. Another type of activity that you can do is that you may also find balloons. There's many balloons that are available, and they have a lot of contrast. And you could get these balloons filled up with the helium, and you could then move the balloon, tie a ribbon to it, and move the balloon from right to left and let the child follow it with his or her eyes. They often really enjoy that. You may also find that you could use balls, like a soccer ball. There's a lot of those Nerf balls, you know, the foam rubber ones, and they have many of them that have different color for soccer. And you could roll this on the floor. Now, in this situation, you could put your child on his or her stomach and try to prop them up by placing the elbows on the ground so that the child is sort of leaning up from the elbows. And you could then roll these nerve balls, and the child will often really enjoy looking at that from side to side. As the child gets better with this, you could do the same thing as you're feeding the child. We could use a milk bottle or the bowl of cereal that you have food in, and you could move it in different locations a few times. And as a child is following it, if he follows it, then we'll give him a drink or we'll give him some food to eat. So it then becomes a positive reinforcement. And we're also doing this at a time when the child is going to eat. So we could accomplish two things at one time. Now, the third eye movement that we're going to develop is a scanning eye movement. And a scanning eye movement is when there is nothing for the child to really follow. There's nothing moving, but the child will shift the eyes and look to the right or shift the eyes and look to the left. And this is a type of eye movement that is later used when a child is reading, where they just shift their eye from one word to the next. Or let's say that your child is sitting in the baby chair and watching TV, and somebody comes into the room. Your child sees that person coming into the room, and the child will want to look at that person, so the child will then shift and move the eyes to look at that person. The main difference between this type of movement and the pursuit eye movement is that in the pursuit eye movement, there's literally something that the child is following. But in this case, there is nothing that the child is following, and the child is just going to move their eyes from one location to another. Now, this type of eye movement is called a saccade. S-A-C-C-A-D-E, a saccade. And this is the eye movement that the child will later use when he or she is reading. And it is controlled by the frontal lobe of the brain, right behind the forehead. So we can do different things to encourage a child to develop these kind of eye movements. 
let's say that your child is lying in the crib. Well, you can get two different toys and put one in your right hand, one in your left hand. They could be high contrast. They could be different color. They could even be spinning if you like. And some people will even use, like, hand puppets. And these are the hand puppets that they just have, like, on gloves, and you put them in your hand. But what you do is you'll raise one hand and wiggle it. And the child will see it, and then they will shift their eyes to look at it. And they look at Mickey Mouse. And then what you're going to do is you're then going to raise your other hand in a different location, and the child will see that one and scan the eyes to look at Donald Duck. And then you move Mickey Mouse to a different location, and they look at Mickey Mouse and scan to a different location, and it's Donald Duck. So we could use a lot of different types of toys or different food items or different objects And that is then going to teach that child to scan that way. And that's a very, very good activity to develop both eye movements for reading. Now, the last eye movement that we want to develop is what's called the convergence. Now, what convergence means is that we need each eye to point at the same object. And so depending on how close or how far that object is, the eyes may need to cross inward. Let's say that you hold out your finger at arm's length and you look at your finger and you probably see just one finger standing there. Now as you bring your finger closer to the bridge of your nose slowly, you will then probably feel that you have to cross your eyes and make your eyes go crossed inward to be able to see the finger as one. For some people, there may be a point where they cannot do it, and then they see double vision. They see two fingers. Well, for children, we need to do this with them as well to develop their ability to bring both eyes inward and bring both eyes outward so that they see just one object. So we could do this, first of all, just with your face. If your child is lying down and you bring your face closer to your child to kiss her on her nose, as you're coming closer, she's going to have to cross her eyes. And as you move further away, she'll have to pull her eyes apart. You could do this also with the milk bottle. Get her attention to the milk bottle and then bring it in closer. And he will then have to cross the eyes. And then we'll let him drink. And then we can pull the bottle away and then bring it back in. We could do this with the cereal, or we could use a mirror, or we could use a variety of other toys that you may have, and all of these will develop these different eye movements. Now, this is very, very important that you're doing this at this young age 
because it's going to make your child even more ready for academic activities. When I was in practice, I would see so many kids coming in, usually by about seven to eight years of age, and the school teacher says, you know, Johnny just isn't learning. His reading is terrible. He can't copy from the board. He's very uncoordinated on the playground. During recess, nobody picks him on the team. And when we evaluate so many of these kids, we find that they have eye coordination problems. They have eye movement problems. And we put them in a program of what is called vision therapy, and usually in about six months, their eye movements are at a very high level. And we see the improvement in their grades and their sports performance, but more importantly, in their self-confidence. These kids come back and they say, you know, I have a lot of friends now and I'm going to sign up for Little League Baseball. I got all A's on my report card. I mean, it is amazing, amazing at how these kids feel so much better when they're successful. So overall, it's important to remember that we need to develop these eye movement skills early on in life. As soon as a child is born, we could perform these types of activities. And as your child gets older and your child begins to crawl or your child begins to walk, we will then give you new activities that are appropriate for that particular stage in life so that by the time the child is going to preschool, the child's going to have very, very strong visual skills. So I hope that this information is helpful to you. And if you should have any questions, you can email me. My email is drbill, that's D-R-B-I-L-L, foundation at gmail.com. You can email any questions, and I'll be happy to return the answers in email. Or if you leave a phone number, we could even call you back. So we hope that you'll join us next time for more information on developing children's vision. Thank you very much.